Hey, let's spend a few minutes here um, this evening before we get into Bible study. Do uh, kind of a little bit of a prophecy update slash world event uh, news update. If you guys, how many of you guys were here last uh, Tuesday night? Okay. Um, so last Tuesday night, we talked about that there are some big things that were coming up uh, over there in the Middle East. Um, we talked about that there were a lot of, um, there was a lot of uh, attacks going from, uh, from Syria, from the Iranian kind of strongholds in Syria, uh, trying, to, uh, trying to do some stuff into uh, Israel, and then Israel always responds. And uh, kind of the crazy thing it, that's, that really intertwines all this, that really encapsulates all this, I guess, is the best way to say it. Israel is not scared. Now, Americans would be afraid to go over to Israel, uh, right, especially right now. Um, Israel, they, they're not scared because they have been living with this for the last 70 years. This is nothing new. And this is what happens. Um, uh, some Syrian presence, maybe it's Iran. Uh, you know, they kind, of, uh, they, they kind of do a little flick like this towards Israel. And then Israel comes back and goes, bam, like that towards them. So they flick again and Israel comes back and goes, bam, like this. So um, over the past couple weeks, Iran... So that you guys remember, within Syria, not only are they having a kind of a, a civil war right now, uh, they have a, a, a military group trying to take over the government. So they have their own issue there within Syria. Then you have the Russians, which are pro-Syria, which are kind of establishing some strong points in Syria because they like that access going through Syria. One day they're going to make their way um, into, uh, into Israel there. Uh, maybe via through Syria. And then also within Syria, so they have a civil war, you have a Russian military presence. And then on top of that, you have an Iranian presence. And Iran wants to destroy Israel. They've already said this, this is what they want to do. If they get nuclear weapons, they want to destroy um, Iran. That is why it was very interesting. Um, uh, about two to three years ago, uh, we made a deal. There was a deal that was struck with Iran. And, uh, and what this deal was going to do is it was essentially going to give um, Iran, uh, the world was supposed to t- uh, keep an eye on their nuclear program, and it was only supposed to be used for atomic energy, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, um, for cities, electricity, and so forth like that. It's never supposed to be used to make nuclear bombs in any way. Uh, and so uh, what, Israel, what Iran got was the right to go ahead, kind of keep their nuclear program going, but they promised, they did pinky swear too, not to, build, not to try to build nuclear weapons. Um, and then what the rest of the world got in that exchange was pretty much nothing. Um, so the U.S. was kind of the kind of the, the lead in all of this, and the U.S. Uh, and Europe kind of all got together, made this great deal for Iran, because really what was happening in Iran was they were under heavy sanctions, uh, meaning that they uh, they couldn't do business deals. Um, uh, the U.S. With, within the U.S. companies and even the U.S. said, "Hey, you know what? Everybody else needs to kind of tighten down the screws on them," and that had been going for several years. Uh, the, the country is just really impoverished. Um, and so everybody thought it'd be a good idea um, because Iran will pinky swear that they won't make nuclear weapons. Well, if you remember, just uh, it's probably been about 10 days ago now, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, uh, came out and, um, and he said that essentially um, Israel had stolen um, and you need to go look it up. Uh, you need to go look up the picture online. And what he introduced to the world was Israel was Iran's whole nuclear program there 
their secret nuclear program that they pinky swore that they would not that they would not continue if they got this good deal with the rest of the world and it's just it's uh, it's thousands and th- it's tens of thousands of documents uh, i think it was uh, 50 60 70 cd's worth of material and there's this big wall of information well it turns out that iran is actually pursuing you know a nuclear program to build nuclear bombs go figure right um, so you have a president and this is kind of a little bit from last week. Um, the United States president right now, if, I don't know if you know, but it's Donald Trump. And uh, he is a man, and this is what's unique about Donald Trump. He is not afraid of scary people. He's not, he doesn't feel like he has to capitulate to somebody or to back down or to appease other people. Now, let me say, there's some good things to that and some bad things to that, right? And so what he has done was he said, you know, this is ridiculous that we have now opened up all of this money flooding into Iran. Remember, there's only a few people that's going to get wealthy from it anyways. We've opened up the doors. We've pulled all the sanctions off of Iran. They pinky swore not to do a nuclear, uh, to, to build nuclear bombs. They're actually pursuing that. Nobody else gets anything out of the deal. And so Trump said, that's just a really bad deal. Let's let bad guys make nuclear bombs who have promised that if they attain them, they're going to blow up Israel. And then if they can blow up Israel, they want to try to blow up the United States, right? That's who they want to take out, Israel and the United States. So he said, that's just kind of a dumb deal. So what Donald Trump did last week, of course, you guys well know this. He actually said, hey, you know what? We're going to rip up this. We're going to rip this up. No good. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to this. This is a bad deal. You've broken it and so forth. So out of all of that then, so he, he pulled us out of that deal. He imposed the harsh sanctions back onto Iran. And what that means is no U.S. company can, can do anything for Iran. We can't sell them, uh, you know, airplanes or anything like that or trains or cars or anything like that. No U.S. company can do business there. And then also, we're kind of putting the stipulation that the European countries can't do it either because that was kind of the original deal. And the idea is, let's try to get somebody who's evil to at least say, you know what, I'd rather my people have food than nuclear weapons. And that's kind of what the U.S. and the rest of the world is trying to do. But Iran would rather have nuclear weapons and have starving people. So one of the interesting developments um, this week is that, uh, and I don't know if you've seen it on, you probably haven't, you won't see it on mainstream news, I guarantee you. Uh, so Iran came out about two days ago. It's always kind of hard to tell because there's about a 12-hour difference here uh, between where we are and where they're at. So, um, so a top Iranian uh, government official came out two days ago, and he, this is what he said. If the Western countries do not give us those contracts to build, you know, so that we can buy airplanes and so forth from other countries and so forth, uh, like commercial airplanes— if they pull back on those contracts, those steel contracts they have, the energy contracts, if they pull out of those negotiations and they don't support us, we're going to release the names of all of the people that we bribed in the Western nations in order to get, the, in order to get this nuclear deal passed. So what they're saying is this. What the, what the top Iranian, one of the top Iranian officials said is, if you guys pull the shenanigans on us, we're going we're gonna to give the names of everybody that we bought and paid for to make sure that this deal passed. Yikes. Guess what? A couple days ago, a guy by the name of John Kerry, I don't know if you guys, guys know him. 
the secretary of state. And he was, he was in charge of kind of these negotiations and so forth um, a couple years ago. One of the things that I found out that was interesting was um, uh, um, I know it starts with the P. Who's our secretary of state right now? Pompeo. So Mike Pompeo, three years ago, when this deal was trying to be struck, okay, he's a congressman. He sent a letter to the Honorable John Kerry, and he said, okay, so we've received this deal that you guys, you know, that you're trying to put together, all the countries that are listed out and all the countries that say, we'll abide by these rules and these rules. And he said this, though. He said, he said Secretary Kerry, nobody's actually signed this document at all. None of the countries that said, hey, we will abide by these rules ever signed the document. And he said, we probably need to have a signed document of what everybody agrees to do before we pass it through Congress. Well, guess what? Nobody ever signs it, gets passed through Congress. And you know what? It's just kind of a dog and pony show, isn't it? So now what's happened over the last couple of days, lo and behold, John Kerry, and this may be more than what you want to know, he's been meeting, we call them the secret meetings, right? He's not Secretary of State anymore. He's been, he's flown over to France to meet with top Iranian officials to try to keep this deal together so that these names of the people who are bribed off doesn't get exposed to the public. Isn't that crazy? I mean, this is, you know, this is crazy stuff. So that's just kind of a side deal of what's going on. And obviously with any government deal, there's always so much more going on than what we know. We probably don't need to know everything that's going on, but there's just a lot of craziness going on. So this is where we're at then. So I told you guys last week, the big event this week, which happened yesterday, um, was that the U.S. embassy was going to be opened um, up in Jerusalem. And what that means is when the embassy is opened up in Jerusalem, um, it then legitimizes Israel's claim to Jerusalem being their capital. Now, the U.S. says, you know, Jerusalem is now Israel's capital. Uh, and there's actually, I think, over the next few months, there's, I believe there's either five or six more countries right now that are getting ready to move their embassies um, into Jerusalem. And, and that's pretty cool. Uh, that's really cool that this is happening. So the response to that is, then the Palestinians there in the area, well, they're like, we're just going to throw, you know, a hate party because they believe that that land should be theirs. So there's been all these conflicts. What happened over the last 24 to 36 hours is that the Palestinian people were trying to, they had protests going on. Um, and what they do is they'll just amass people. They'll get them up to the borderline of Israel where the soldier, soldiers are. They'll try to blow up a section of the, of the gates or the fencing, and they'll try to make their way through, and they're trying to get some bad guys into Israel, blow some stuff up, shoot some people, stab them, whatever it may be. And uh, so what Israel had to do is defend herself, right? I mean, if you have a border wall and you say you can't come in here and people try to come in, do you have the right to defend your country? Yeah. Now, this is what's interesting. So just track with me here. You might even have to close your eyes to understand what's going on here. The West Bank area, which if you see Israel's kind of like this, here's the Mediterranean Sea. The West Bank is way, or um, um, uh, not the West Bank, but uh, Gaza. The Gaza Strip's over here. And this is, where this is where all the problem is right now. It's way down here, just a little bitty area like that. That is controlled by a group called Hamas. I don't know if maybe you've heard that before. Um, the Palestinians have two ruling parties. One is the PLO and one is Hamas. 
Okay. Um, Hamas is funded by Iran. Okay. So Hamas, so you might see it like Republicans and Democrats. So um, actually those two groups have had this big war amongst themselves. Uh, The PLO wants to be in control. Hamas wants, and they're just two political parties. Well, what they decided to do a few years ago was that the PLO would go ahead and they would run the West Bank and then Hamas would take over Gaza. Okay. Good job. Thanks for helping me remember all this. That they would take. So you have this group of Hamas here. And Hamas, that governmental system, is funded by who? Okay, by Iran. So this is what's happening here. So what Hamas is trying to do is they're trying to make Israel look really bad. Now, you know what the worst thing ever to show up on the news cycle is? One country shooting another country's innocent people, unarmed innocent people, right? It just looks bad. Well, so what they do is this. So they get these people and those people living in the Gaza Strip, what you have to understand and what you'll never hear on the news is they have their younger people, their unemployment rate is somewhere around like 65%, almost the highest in the world. Their total unemployment rate is over 40, 42, 44%. Okay. So everybody's poor. Okay. Nobody has anything except for the high, you know, the top half of one percenters right there. Everybody else is poor. So what Iran says is this, you know what? We'll give money to you, Hamas, and Hamas, you give some money to your people. And you say like, uh, hey, hey, Brad, we'll give you $1,000 to your family if you go up there and protest and try to storm the gate over there where the Jerusalem guards are. Knowing that, they'll give you that money, you'll go storm it, and what happens to Brad? He gets shot. So Iran is still pulling the strings and the, who, are the, who are the people that are paying the price? The innocent people, right? That are just trying to survive. And you have another country that's pulling the strings here, getting those Hamas government officials to pay some of those people to go and rally. Well, right now we have, there's, um, well, I guess yesterday it was, a group of about 40,000 people were mobilizing to try to make a run out. They, they call it, you know, they're just um, uh, resisting, um, um, you know, what Israel's doing and so forth. And, um, but they're coming up right against the, the gates and so forth. They're trying to plant bombs there. I even heard uh, uh, Amir was talking about um, how they'll fly kites with coals connected to the hot coals, uh, connected to the kites. And then, you know, they send it over the wall into the fields, hoping to catch the fields on fire and, and burn up the Israeli fields and so forth. So it's just crazy. But I want you to know this, that the people who are paying the price are really the innocent people. And still understand, this is Iran pulling a lot of these strings um, through all of this. So the embassy was opened. It was moved. Uh, it was opened yesterday, moved to Jerusalem. Um, also remember this, it was actually back in 1995 under president Clinton, uh, 23 years ago that Congress actually passed the law that we would go ahead and move, um, the embassy to Jerusalem. Um, and, but what every president has is a six month clause that if they think, you know what, it'd be too crazy if we did it right now, cause tensions are too high. So every six months, what the presidents would do, guess what they would do? They would just veto it and they'd say, we'll put it off for another six months. And if you do that long enough, you just push it off onto the next president's desk. And it's gone from president to president to president. Trump said this about a week ago. He said, we are not going to solve conflict in the Middle East. He says, it's not going to happen. 
So we're going to just go ahead because moving or not moving the embassy is not going to change anything. So he said, we're going to go ahead and move our embassy um, there because are we going to, is anybody going to stop this conflict that's going on there? Not going to happen. So about 60 people died over the last uh, 24, 48 hours over there. The Palestinians uh, shot by Israelis and so forth. Um, People that weren't just innocently protesting, but people who were actually trying to scale fences, uh, plant bombs along the wall and so forth and blow it up. Um, one of the things that I listened to, um, Amir, and uh, Amir is a retired Israeli military, but he still has all of his connections there. He does a lot of Israeli trips, and he is a born-again believer. He said what's, what's interesting, um, even down there in Gaza, is he says Israel has tried and tried and tried to help those people down there. Israel even built a pipeline, a gas pipeline, and Israel feeds natural gas into that area um, that we're talking about. And so you know what they did a day and a half ago? They blow up the own pipe, their own pipeline that Israel sending gas into their country so that they have, you know, can heat, can eat and do all that stuff. They blow up their own pipeline in rebellion to Israel, right? Just doesn't make sense, does it? And who suffers? You think the leadership suffers at all? Leadership doesn't suffer at all. Uh, so some additional information here. Um, Trump's not afraid of evil. That is a very, very great quality uh, of President Trump. Um, Also, you should note this. Trump is the most pro-Israel president that we've had since the reestablishment of Israel on May 14th, 1948. He is the most pro-Israel. We've had some presidents who weren't anti-Israel. We had some presidents who were kind of, you know, yeah, they're okay. We even had a a president that was anti-Israel. Very anti-Israel, our last president. But Donald Trump, well, guys, you should understand this about him. He's not only very pro-Israel. I think he understands what's going on in the world spiritually, biblically. And he's even, we might even say, the most pro-Christian president that we've had in a long, long, long time. What was that number that we heard last night, Angela, about Christians being killed around the world? Was it 200,000 or 20,000? I think it was 200,000. That's my first, um, that's, my, that's my answer there. Um, 200,000 Christians were killed last year because they were Christians. And you know what? We have a president now who, does he have some faults, some defects? But let me tell you what he's done that is wise. And we're going to learn this lesson from David here tonight. Trump has surrounded himself with people who know the Lord, right? His vice president, right? Pence. I mean, he is just out and out about, you know, he's the guy who got railed about a month and a half ago who said, I I do what the Lord tells me to do. And everybody's like, oh, he speaks with God, right? All the liberal morning shows. Oh, he speaks with God kind of a deal. I think that's a pretty good thing for a Christian who hears from the Lord, right? Yeah, got an amen on that. Um, so he has surrounded him, people, uh, himself with people who I think really are understanding what's going on here. Um, so he is the most pro-Israel president that Israel's ever seen before. Um, I talked about the secret meetings with uh, John Kerry uh, and the Iranians. So what you should expect to see in the next week news cycles is that there's going to be some exposure about all of this stuff. It's going to, you know, Hillary Clinton's involved in all of this and John Kerry and uh, uh, President um, uh, Barack Obama. Everybody's involved in this. A lot of people in the mid- uh, in uh, uh, 
uh, Europe and so forth, all of this, I think all of this is going to start coming out a little bit more. Um, So that's kind of where we're at right now. But I do want you to remember this. What Israel struggles with or suffers from on a day-to-day basis is nothing new um, in in, in their history. They've always had people attacking them. And for somebody from Gaza, from Hamas trying to attack Israel, the best they can do really compared to what Israel has is they're taking water balloons and throwing it over the wall. That's about as good as their, their military equipment is. And then what Israel does is they say, okay, we see where that came from. They just go right over there. Matter of fact, I was listening to uh, Amir today, and this would have been probably 12 hours ago, and his house is right by um, one of the military, uh, the Israeli military fields. And he started out the video by saying um, the, F, uh, the F-18s were taken off. And he says, those planes right there are on their way right now to take out, um, to take out some positions um, uh, there uh, with Hamas, you know, problems that they're having and so forth. So Israel is just going to keep doing what they've done. They're not afraid. They're not scared. Um, and matter of fact, they, they have this sense of peace um, about what's going on. What you and I should understand is... The big picture to all of this and the big picture that we know that's that's going to come together is there's going to be a group of nations that uh, will come together. Um, Iran, Syria, Libya, Libya, Turkey and Russia and Russia is going to be the leader of all of them. And those countries are going to come down and scripture tells us that what they want to do. And I know this is maybe a recap for some of you guys. What, what they want to do is get the plunder, the plunder that's there in Israel, some kind of great wealth. Remember last week I told you, it was just a couple years ago, Israel found one of almost the largest, largest ever discovered gas reserves right off of their coast in the Mediterranean Sea. And if you remember last week, I also told you that on last Tuesday, their prime minister um, was meeting with uh, Cyprus and where's your family from? Greece. Uh, they're meeting with Cyprus and Greece and they're, they're negotiating to build a pipeline from Israel going up to um, into Europe. Now, who gives almost all of the, uh, of the energy or the fuel to Europe? Russia does. So is that going to tick off Russia if Israel starts supplying Europe? So now you have Iran's ticked off, right? Now you have Russia ticked off. It's just going to keep going and going and going. But there's going to be this big building together. Um, so we shouldn't be scared. And then let me just wrap this up here by saying, uh, by saying this. What we're studying here in Scripture up to this point is we've been seeing the past wars of Israel, Right? And we always see so many amazing things that happen. Remember when David, Saul, just about caught up with David, and then Saul got the phone call that said, hey, some bad guys are invading the land. And Saul's like, guys, we've got to pull off chasing David to go, to go fight these bad guys over here. And there's always these miraculous events that come on. Well, we have the history, and then you know what, what else we also have? We have the future. And so what you see, what we're seeing on the news today, and what I'm trying to explain to you, this is all proving what Scripture says, okay? Scripture says the five nations that are going to make their way towards Israel. It names them out, and it's going to be those exact five nations that come through, right? And that's what God is trying to teach us, is as you look through Scripture, God doesn't give, you know, like Nostradamus, you know, oh, there might be a bad guy in office one day, you know, kind of a deal. Well, 
there's a bad guy in office every day, right? There might be somebody who, you know, kind of comes over the world. Well, God says very specifically about the Antichrist in the same way that God was very specific about the 300 prophecies about who the Messiah of the world would be. And there's a lot of generalities, a lot of vagueness out there, but God is very specific. And the point of it is that we trust him and we're like, God is always very specific. And if he's that specific and they come to pass, we know that we can what? We know that we can trust his word. Amen? Okay.